This week's episode is brought to you in part by FNX Fit, a fitness supplements brand that can get you hooked up with all of your pre, post, during workout needs, as well as other nutritional supplements. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING at fnxfit.com to get 15% off your order. What do Santa Claus and trap music have in common? Well, now I know the answer. Lots of hoes. <laughs> a lot of hoes. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's the Christmas carpooling special where you can expect us to wax rhapsodical about the Bible, but not until we make a cheap joke about loose women. It <laughs> nice. is the most wonderful time of the year, Hunter. Uh, a hearty yeah. Merry Christmas to you. A hearty Merry Christmas to you, our matey. That's what did you just cr- piratize Christmas? I felt like we needed to because one, we've talked about loose women, and two, you said Hardy, and those are like, those are like pirate things as far as I'm concerned, right? Like the in the me Hardy's way. Yes, you're with me now. And, I, and I, to I, be fair, there is a lot of chest giving and taking, and the chests what a chest contain massive amounts of treasure, massive and that's basically of, a of present booty. that you just take. <laughs> massive amounts of booty. You could say. So it's essentially a present. You open it up and find the fun inside. Yeah, I, I pirates don't... are kind of a one-track mind. You, like, open a chest to get booty. Like, they're all... Anyhow, me hearties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, guess, I guess one present came early this year. We got to unwrap one of, those, one of those packages beneath the tree. That is the warm, dulcet tones of old friend of the show, Benjamin Polk. Hello, Benjamin. How have you been? I've been real good, Chris. Good to be back on carpooling. Now, I, I realize that you've been up north in the land of lockdowns. And so I just wanted to ask, now that you've returned to your your uh, original climb, yeah. how is it being back in America? You know, man, I hopped off the plane at the ATL. And the moment I got off the plane, actually, a stewardess came up to me, handed me a cigar and a Glock. And I just started shooting and smoking all at the same time without my mask on. And it's been beautiful. So that's how it's being back, man. Yeah, because up up in the cesspool that you come from... By the way, thanks for immediately doxing us. But up in the cesspool <laughs> where, where you come from, uh, whenever you, you shoot in the airport and, and smoke openly, yeah. you have to wear your mask, of course. Yeah. I, I do find that pretty funny, how... The, the security culture around COVID is like, we have to be safe. And in Chicago, they'll impose, you know, a massive mask mandate. And then you've got thugs running around the streets like, this is great. We were going to wear masks anyway. <laughs> this is this just help, makes us feel included. Thank yeah. you. And helps us blend into the crowd, Assassin's Creed style. Yeah. Yeah. But big oh, shout out to whoever is designing these masks with holes in them to put the cigar. Like, that's that's a 10 out of 10 in my book. That's how we do it up north. Ben? Oh. Yeah? <laughs> that mask. <laughs> Where did you get it? Uh, towards R Us. Okay, now I can't make the joke I was going to make. Um, <laughs> because I will go to prison twice. Uh, because being gay is wrong, but um, uh, maybe it's wrong, okay? We all watched Spencer Clavin's interview on, on the Andrew Clavin show, His Son, No Relation. But 
Uh, pedophilia is still definitely out. Okay, anyhow. <laughs> Double check uh, on that with Vox every now and again. I feel like ev- like every- once a year maybe, there's this like subtle, not pro-pedophilia, but like a really soft acceptance. Like maybe maybe we don't call them pedophiles anymore. Maybe we call them minor attracted persons. Yeah, actually we were just talking about that, me and the wife. And look, I don't care what you call them. As long as they fit in the opening of a wood chipper, it's all the same to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. Honey? Wow. Uh, yeah, I always keep my wood chipper warm. Uh, Can doctors with- prescribe that? Is no. that like a high? Yeah, take three Tylenols and one wood chipper. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, for uh, us, us, we, we're opening up the Carl <laughs> Pooling Wood Chipper and Helicopter Tour uh, <laughs> LLC. We haven't quite figured out how we're getting the helicopter and the wood chipper, but once we do, it's really going to be magical. See, so. Hunter, I had this vision, and I'm glad we're talking about this now because I always thought we would try and put the wood chipper on the helicopter, but no, you want to go the other way around. Have you ever played the Rogue Squadron where you have to fly the Millennium Falcon through the Death Star, the second one, like Lando Calrissian did? With I just dumb- heard, I heard every every fallopian tube <laughs> in the area slam shut in unison. Each fallopian tube is being guarded by a small Gandalf now <laughs> who's shouting, you shall not pass into <laughs> the, the fires of the uterus. I don't know. The metaphor broke down, okay? What I'm saying is women are more confusing than the minds of Moria. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, hey, it's cargo pulling. It's a show that gets you fired. We talk about religion, philosophy, politics, art, culture, everything that's important because... Purpose matters. Thank you for joining us in this Yule season. We got we got a great show for you. We're we're gonna get back to our our roots. We're gonna talk about some religious concepts and how it matches up with the history of the planet and the human condition. And I'm really excited about discussing all that. And of course, that's why we had to bring in the big artillery, uh, Ben, to carpet bomb this topic. No no puns intended. <laughs> but before we get to that. As is our want and as is our way. It's time to satirize a left that is so beyond satirization because they do it themselves. What with their small A's and their... Oh, I can't even go to my usual suspects right now. But but the small it's... Is it small A or small A? Uh, I, I have literally n- no opinion, no cares and i have no idea oh hunter i actually do have an opinion on this one it's small oh. but i only say that because i'm pretty sure it's small and there's zero chance i'm gonna like take the effort to learn how to pronounce this man's name uh because he's that much of a dingleberry so i'm just gonna pronounce it small and i'm also gonna words. call him jesse because like he has the most pretentious name of all time and i'm just not going there yeah you know what i support that it's um, like when you have a friend named madeline and her name has like an E-H and an I and a Y all at the same time. It's like, no, Madeline. Like, your name is your name is just Madeline. We're not spelling it like that. Madeline needs to relax. We all need to relax. Um, I, I, I actually think it's probably small a. And if it's not, he's going to change it. Because small a just sounds more Italian to me. And as a fan of bathhouses, I just feel like he's getting in touch with his Roman roots. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to call him Jesse Smelly. 
which kind of rhymes. Got him, Hunter. Got him. <laughs> you are so. you are a satirical <laughs> snowpiercer breaking through the icebergs of sanity on the last train track on the planet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got to But not like Snowpiercer, like the <laughs> weird movie where they make the kids crawl into the engine chassis. Not that one, in case you guys were thinking that. It's Anywho. the prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And if it you want to change not. the topic of the show today, I can talk about that for hours. <laughs> Snowpiercer <laughs> is, I'm sorry, the sequel. The sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that um, I believe. Yeah, oh, that, you do? That's oh, makes, oh, that makes okay, way more hold sense. On a minute, I'm just, <laughs> you are incredulous and indignant at the idea that it's a prequel. And then when I correct myself, you're like, oh, yeah, well, I already knew that. Dude, when they go in the Wonka Vader, like, nothing is real anymore. You know, like, that's that's when we go through, like, the dark portal and we actually destroy the ozone. I'm pretty sure at that point, And that's what brings on the Snow Age. See? You yeah. stole fizzy lifting drink and you get nothing. <laughs> I love that movie. We need it so good. Every day. Um, all right. Anyhow, so as is our one and as is our way, Hunter, deliver up to us the gifts of the trailer park, the bounty of the asphalt, the roadkill, if you would, my sir. North Koreans banned for 11 days from laughing to mourn the 10th anniversary of Kim Jong-il's death. Um, so it's I'm proud you, to be an American when I laugh when people die. Um, ooh. <laughs> ooh. That's, um, that's great. I would I, I really think this is serious and I I really, you know, don't really appreciate um, people not treating it with the gravity it deserves. You know, there's some serious stuff going on in North Korea. And to that point, I think we should all have a moment of laughter. Uh, for the people of North Korea. So could we just take the next two okay. seconds and Amen. give a good belly laugh real quick? Yeah, and if you would, who, those within, within the sound of our dulcet tones, please join us in a moment of laughter for the people of North Koreans. Three, <clears throat> two. Woo! <laughs> 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 Thank you. That would be all for the moment of laughter. And I, I want to say that, like, from a freedom perspective, I find this to be troubling. You know, I find it to be troubling that you would you would try and ban people from laughing, especially when someone lo- right. who looks as comical as Kim Jong Il did uh, is going to have his picture displayed everywhere. However, you're in North Korea. Like, what do you actually have to laugh about? This is like banning Germans from getting the joke. I just don't think it's <laughs> don't doing that much. So I, I'm not going to immediately clutch my pearls. It's 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 Orwellian, sure, but they weren't going to smile anyway, much less laugh. So I I don't know. I'm 50-50 on the efficacy of a strategy like this. I, I actually think there's probably some some reasonable application to, to our current situation because with a lot of the roles that we see government taking, um, a massive... Uh, area that I see a lot of pe- uh, area of thought that I see a lot of people going down is something along the lines of, well, is it that bad? Well, like, okay, it's just a mask. Okay, it's just a vaccine. Okay, it's just a, and that just line continues to get pushed further and further. And I think this is one of those things where we could take that logic to an extreme and say, okay, it's just laughing. Like, it's not that big a deal. It's for the greater good. And this kind of reminds me that the question isn't always is this thing something we should do or not do? It's does the government have the power to enact that? And obviously this is such a comically uh, advanced situation that it doesn't seem to remotely apply here in America, but I think it is always helpful to, to say something along the lines of, okay, we can't, 
uh, laugh for a week. But why is that bad? Why, why can we condemn North Korea for that? No, Ben, I, I think that's a good point. Like, I saw at the beginning of COVID this, this article that was talking about how... Hunter, did you see this? Did you see the article that was about how singing spreads COVID particles further than normal talking? So maybe yeah. we should ban singing. Did you see that? I, I saw... Like, I, I, I remember that being a reason why people couldn't go to church. Uh, was they were talking about, you know, you're in these pews and you're singing next to each other and you're spraying your spittle onto old grandma and now she goes home and dies. And that was all um, based off of one COVID outbreak in Alabama. Yeah, That was I don't specifically the result that, of a but... church choir practice. Look, okay. <laughs> look, I've been to Alabama. I don't think churches where they're primarily sharing spit. <laughs> Just to be a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> the face one is making, God, we got to start doing this on video sooner rather than later. Uh mm. Anyhow, yeah, like that that kind of that that to me is, is a very similar thing. And of course, if you ever tried that in America, oh, I say if you ever tried that, if you tried that right now in America, you'd probably be laughed out of your town. But I mean, we've we've steps have been taken in that direction. And uh it's hard to look down your nose at the North Koreans. And I'm not drawing an equivalency between America and North Korea like any kind of moral equivalency. I but I will draw a equivalency between any act of tyranny and another act of tyranny. There the tyranny is a slippery slope, not in a fallacious way, but each successive act makes the next one simpler to complete. So it's not necessary that that further acts of tyranny continue but it is a, a gradual easing that occurs. And uh, 14 days to slow the spread. 11 days to not laugh. It's 11 like the days. same thing. Yeah, I th- <laughs> I, so I remember those articles, and I'm over here like, the hills are alive with the sound of wheezing. And then you had Jack and Ape, I don't think he's elected, from the NIH singing singing the... Um, the, oh yeah, I saw this video. What what's Absolutely what's it beautiful. to the tune of? Um, uh, uh, it's the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? It's, somewhere it's one of those. That's it. the oh, pandemic. Yeah. I'm still a loser. <laughs> yeah, like I, it was <laughs> insane. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. It's uh, yeah. it's unhinged, beautiful. unhinged. I can't even remember that guy's name, and I choose not to. I could be talking about anyone. So anyway, uh. Hunter, thanks for sh- thanks for sharing that with us, and to My the people pleasure. in North Korea. Not that you're going to laugh anyway, but here's what I'm telling you to do: if you're listening in North Korea right now, go into your closet, put your phone and all your electronics in a Faraday cage, bury your head under several pillows, mm-hmm. and laugh. Because if wow. 1984 and Orwell and Winston taught us anything, it's that they cannot control one part of you and that's the six inches between your two ears so if you can't find a dark closet laugh internally and laugh Rao Cowley and laugh at the idea that Xi Jinping looks like Winnie the Pooh almost exactly beautiful thank one you of the, one of the sweetest things you could say I like how you story. switched to China there at the end of that do I have country based face blindness I don't know that's for the listener <laughs> to decide um, I'll be cancelled anyway <laughs> All right, so let's jump into some serious stuff. Thanks for joining us all. Today we're going to talk about Christmas. Christmas is the American holiday, and I hear you already screaming between your your separated front buck teeth that you never fixed because you were too much of a loser to keep the braces on that you desperately needed, you snaggletooth nerd. 
I hear what you're saying. Actually, and as you shove your glasses deep within your own skull, piercing through and touching your own brain, I hear you saying, actually, Christmas was celebrated a long time before America. Okay, fine. And then I hear you miserable atheists getting out of an Uber because you're all too poor and sad to afford an actual car, <laughs> screeching up to the curb and opening it and saying, but even actually are... You know, Ooh. Christmas isn't even a real holiday. It's actually a pagan celebration from long before. Everybody shut up so that you can you can listen, so that you can learn something for a minute. Uh, Christmas as we celebrate it today is necessarily a product from America. It is a... Literally. It, 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 <laughs> is, it is the sweetest soup that has been made in the melting pot thus far. It is a combination of traditions and practices and customs from all over the world um predominantly europe but we'll get into it and it has become this wonderful time this melancholy reminiscent nostalgic time this hopeful time because of america's ability to allow people to come together and bring themselves with them to create something brand new together and i, I love christmas for a lot of reasons and that's one of them because america is is the or christmas rather is the american holiday more importantly than that christmas is the christian holiday and it's where we celebrate a lot of things and and you know you can talk about the importance of christmas versus the importance of easter traditionally christmas is the coming of the savior right the birth of jesus christ and we celebrate that at at the on the 25th of december the winter solstice if you will and it's it's a beautiful holiday because of that as well it's it is the date that separates the jews from the christians it we find a lot of our identity in it and and there's nothing better to celebrate than the coming of our redemption um potentially just the act of our redemption itself at easter so anyway i love christmas for for many different reasons and I think that actually embedded in this Christmas tradition, tradition that predates American Christmas, tradition that predates European Christmas, and it maybe, just maybe, tradition that predates Christ himself. I think there's a hidden discovery embedded in that that tells us a little bit about ourselves, that tells us a little bit about the universe, that tells us a little bit about uh, why we're here and, and what we are to do about it. And so that's what we're going to talk today about today on carpooling, and I couldn't be more excited. So get out your, your Bible and your, your Gregorian literature. We're going in the way back machine for this one today, but I'm excited. Uh, guys, any preamble, any, any connections you'd like to mention about Christmas? Yeah, I... I actually really like your connection, <clears throat> excuse me, between Christmas and Easter because I think that just highlights the the central point that you're making in terms of Christmas is an American holiday. And, and obviously we're all Christians in this room and the first thing we think when we think about Christmas is the birth of Christ. But I, I think there is an undeniable aspect of it in terms of how it's practiced that is extremely American in nature. And I think the fact of the, the size and scope 
of the holiday and how it is celebrated kind of proves that out because you have you basically have a month of christmas there is christmas music there are presents there are giant family gatherings everyone and their mother flies to see each other and what what does easter have you know what i mean like they have a bunny and some hidden eggs and in terms of the and Bible, don't get me wrong i love i love pagan symbols of fertility as much as the next guy <laughs> um but i i think we would all agree that's in terms of our faith, that's a bigger event. Like Christ coming is amazing, but he culminated time, the Bible says, when he rose again from the dead. So that would be a bigger symbol. However, we seem to celebrate Christmas as if it is bigger. And I think that just points to how important it is to our culture. (laughs) Well, this has been a great run of Carl pulling. Uh, It turns out, Christopher was just trying to struggle on to make it to this Christmas, and he couldn't do it. That's it. Drink the Red Bull. Now I'll you'll resuscitate be safe. him. Yeah, thanks. Oh, um, man, he's really dying over there, guys. Christmas. What does it mean to Hunter? Yeah. Uh, that's a great idea. This is good, good audio. Transition. I'm really good at audio. <laughs> um, you know, I like Christmas. I particularly like the day of Christmas, and... This Christmas, I have been doing a great job of not listening to Christmas music. Bah humbug. Um, I've been listening to a load of Sea Shanties uh, by Sean Dogger, I think is his name. Go check those out if you get bored of Christmas music like I do. Sorry, friends. We, you know, it's a great holiday. I love it. But the music can pipe down for just a moment, okay, and leave me alone. Bah humbug How does again. it feel being a heretic? It feels great. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you're you're artistically a complete imbecile thank mm, you amen. i love that that's now, so sweet okay let's stop the show now we have to now we have to deal with you hunter um are there some terrible christmas songs yes have you guys heard i'm dominic dying the i'm literally don- dying <laughs> have you heard dominic the donkey what it is by far the worst Christmas. If if you are listening to this podcast, for, for the love of the Lord, do not go look up the song Dominic the Donkey. It will break you. Listen, we cannot have our audience pausing this show right now, going to the, the used tube, and typing in the phrase Dominic the Donkey, clicking enter or return. Oh, no. Trying to be inclusive. Cannot have it. And then clicking on the video to watch Dominic the Donkey, the song. Absolutely, we couldn't have that. Uh, so, yeah, okay, you're right, Hunter. Like, let's let's talk about some terrible Christmas songs. Paul McCartney's, yeah. is it Paul McCartney or John Lennon's number, the um, the one that that goes, I'm eating a sandwich, I'm having a drink, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Yeah, that, that song song's bad. Is terrible. You can write it about anything. And then yeah. there's the song that goes. Christmas comes this time each year. And I'm like, I want to put a bullet in my head and your head, and I can't decide which one to do first. Like, sure. that that's so st- unbearably stupid. Uh, I want to write a song that's like, February 12th is on February 12th. Mm, um, it's just like the dumbest thing of all time. Um, and then there's there's songs, like you reminded me of this one, Ben, the other day. The, the Pogue song. The oh, fairy tale of New fairy York. Fairy tale of New York, a that, Christmas classic. Now, I love the Pogues, and Hunter, you would probably like the Pogues too if you're on this like. Uh, yeah, I love the Pogues. Pirate bah humbug journey. Yeah, 
but that he was he was either dying or drunk and based on the historicity of his life most likely both, both yeah for sure during the recording of that song so that one's terrible a lot of people hate on christmas shoes because they're not comfortable with their own emotions that's fine but <laughs> no they just heard it 500 times in the car with their mom so. i really want to buy these shoes it's a, it's not great uh, and it's a, I, I don't know that's like an emotional okay, am i the only one who the very first time they heard that song thought this kid is just really good at scamming. Like this yes. guy's running a great con. We should write the, like yes. the part two to that song where like he walks outside and and like, immediately sells the shoes. No, he Putting has to like give the money back to his handler. On eBay. Okay, handler's better than eBay, I guess. Whatever. Fine. Yeah. Um. I really want to buy this iPhone 10 for my mama, please. It's That's Christmas so Eve and this color's just her preference. Could you hurry, <laughs> sir? Daddy says there's not much time. See, she's been sick for quite a while. And I know this iPhone 10 Plus will make her smile. And I want her to be able to call me if mama goes to hell tonight. Oh I think my. we're covered under parody's satire law, right? Like, I, I don't think we can get copyright struck for that. No. Checks laws, no clue. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, I just if if he was fleecing something, it probably wouldn't be shoes. I I, I really yeah. want to buy this flat screen. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> uh, now I'm stuck. I'm not going to be able to get back to Christmas at all. Um, but there's also really beautiful songs. Um, White Christmas, <laughs> written by a Jew, and don't hold that against it. Uh, it's really yeah, isn't that interesting? Yes. In fact, I would say about. 50 to 60% of the most renowned Christmas songs, some of the best melodies ever been written, period, as far as I'm concerned, were written about Christmas by Jews. And it's, it's an wow. interesting thing. Yeah, the Jews, the Jews love Christmas, and it just shows mm-hmm. that they should really come over to the dark side. So there's that song, um, the, the best song of all time, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, is, uh, it, it's, it is unstoppable. As far as I'm concerned. So, Hunter, I understand that you're atonal and and you have a chromosome deficiency. Uh-huh. That notwithstanding, you have to start listening to Christmas music. Just be more select. <laughs> make your own playlist of the ones that actually count. I actually, my favorite part of this is, you know, you basically just took 10 minutes to explain to me what a horrible <laughs> person I am. And that's, you know, that feels like, that's nostalgic for me and it reminds me of Christmas, actually. <laughs> Honey, you've made Ben's Yuletide completely gay with that one. <laughs> Good stuff. Anyhow, um, so let's let's jump back in. So so, and, and please forgive Hunter, uh, my my beautiful. Forgive listeners. me. Yeah, for for listening to sea shanties like it's a pirate holiday. Okay, yeah. last. Well, caveat. you said me hearties. We should, we should have a pirate holiday. Like, why isn't there one? <laughs> what is what is Valentine's Day anyway? Going oh, on. stealing hearts, plundering, plundering. Don't make another plundering booty joke. Yeah, it's, it's the, the well is dry <laughs> here. One per podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. So, so anyway, let's talk about Christmas. Let's talk about its origins. Let's talk about its historical significance, its religious significance. So, obviously, we celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, as Christians on December twenty fifth. Now, was christ born on december 25th absolutely i I think we all agree definitively yes uh 
the Bible was very accurately dated. <laughs> no, we have no idea, right? Like, like, is it possible? Sure, anything's possible. Is it probable? No. I, in fact, I think the best evidence probably suggests that it wasn't winter in Judea when when Christ was born. Yeah, may, like one massive piece of evidence for that is simply that it would be an extremely silly idea for a, a census to be taken where apparently a bunch of people had to travel. So that was the circumstances of Christ's birth is that there was the, it was in the middle of a massive census. And it would be extremely strange for a census to be taken in the middle of winter, especially in a time without central heat. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh Hunter, did you know that? Did you know that they didn't have central heat back then? <laughs> no. Please explain to me how they didn't have electricity, Papa. That, that's just a little. That's just a little tidbit for you, from because I know you're in the construction industry. You're gonna enjoy that, right. you know. Right. Um, yeah. Just a little HVAC tip for you. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. If you really want to impress some clients, just drop that one on them. <laughs> it's like you know that there's no AC when Jesus was born. Just yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of my business to know these things. <laughs> <laughs> got to know when these things got invented. <laughs> Don't want to freak you guys out or anything. Um, do you know why Why the 25th, though? This is interesting. No, lay so, it on me. Because it's not so, exactly the solstice. We treat it like it's the solstice, but the solstice is technically on the 21st, I think. Yep. Right. Well, yeah, so it, we it, it's close to the solstice. The reason it's there is the solstice. But the real uh, reason is the equinox, right? So the vernal equinox is supposedly when the world began. Right. Mm. And so like the world beginning, that's when Christ was conceived. Right. And so uh, nine months from there is the solstice. Right. And so it's that kind of idea connected. It's a really ancient um, thought process going on there. That's kind of like connecting all these together. Yeah. Um, and for for our listeners that are, are uh, confused by t- strange talks of the, the latitude lines in the sun, um, the equinox is when the sun is directly above. The equator. the equator. So there's yep. two equinox. One in the, um, one in the summer, and one some other time. And then there are the solstice, Spring. where the sun is at its highest and lowest point in the sky. So, so spring and fall equinox, summer and winter solstice. Yeah. The, oh, you're right. Thank you. I don't know mm-hmm. what what's come over me, but yeah, it's all good. The equinox basically meaning that it's it's over the equator and then the solstice so like if you're in the northern hemisphere like we are the the summer solstice is when the sun is directly over our heads right um and that's why it's hottest in the summer and then the winter solstice is when it's furthest away it's directly over like negative 33 somewhere in there negative 33 latitude and then in the the autumn and spring are both temperate because it's on the equator kind of near us but not not very near us so a little, uh, a little stars, planets, and galaxies for you there. So, the cool thing about the solstice in, re- in relation to that, and, and this is going to come into play when we talk about some of the festivities that predate Christ himself, which, which can tell us a lot, I think. One interesting thing about that is it is the shortest uh, day of the year. Another way to say that is it's the longest night. So, the solstice is this interesting point where... The days go from getting progressively shorter in the northern hemisphere to getting progressively longer, right? And of course, that's reversed in the southern hemisphere. But let's be honest, we're not outsourcing a lot of culture from Australia. So yeah. the vast majority of us experience experience the 
<laughs> shortest day and the longest night in all of Europe, in fact. And so all these traditions that we're going to talk about come from Europe uh, because they were best at, at writing things down. And we'll talk about we'll talk about how they saw this as a moment of rebirth, um, even sometimes specifically of the sun. It's pretty cool. So in the in the mm, it, the date's not exactly set in stone, but somewhere from six hundred to let's call it nine hundred anno domine, you started seeing the church try to usurp some of these pagan traditions that were taking place in the winter solstice and replace it with their own their own celebration of Christ Mass, right? Latin. Um, it, the the Roman Catholic Church is, is at large, so this is Christ's Mass, the, the day that Christ was born, and a uh, church service and a celebration to, to accompany that. And the they started imposing this, this celebration of Christ onto these already existing festivals, right? Which uh, is fine, as far as I'm concerned. And the... the Inter- it's, it's, there's not like a hard date when this happened, but you started to see different leaders and different, different, uh, even even royalty in some instances start start associating themselves with this this Christmas date. So uh, you had you had I can't remember like Charlemagne was was coronated on December the twenty fifth, and what Charlemagne the God? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> oh. the original Charlemagne, and I know what you're thinking. Charlemagne the God is OG, but Hunter, how in the world do you of all people know <laughs> who Charlemagne the God is? Because one time in a rap, Eminem did. I thought he was making a reference to Charlemagne or to the writer. Uh, so that's how I know. <laughs> oh, that is perfect. I was like, wow, he he referenced an old school writer. That's so cool. I love it. My brain is bleeding right now. <laughs> that is the most Hunter thing I've ever heard in my life. It is. And the least Eminem thing. Like, <laughs> How in the world did you believe that? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Have you heard his, his quick rap about Rousseau? Uh, like, what, what, <laughs> what? What? How did your perception of Eminem become so skewed? <laughs> I just oh, thought he hilarious. was talking about people that talk fast, and I was like, Charlemagne probably talk fast. He mostly talks about like how he'll shoot you if you mention his daughter and, and hitting women, like oh, among nice. among other things. Yeah, how, how what Charlemagne? Kind of, what? Yeah, Charlemagne. Yeah, but the original one. What kind of person do you have to be to write a song called "Rap God"? Like that's just that's what seven year old me would have written it if I was like, I'm, right. good, I'm gooding at rap than you. Um, anyhow, uh. So, so maybe maybe we start there. So that's when Christmas starts to emerge, and and let's start there and go forward real quick to just to give a little like recap on on Christmas, and that'll help us go back into the past as well, I think. And, and then we can dig into some of the scripture and what that says about the about the Christmas holiday, and hopefully tie this up in a nice bow for you. So, so the Christians started imposing their their will especially in northern europe so you had festivals that were currently going start transitioning to christmas but the cool thing about that was is it made christmas a little different than just a celebration of of 
the birth of Christ, right? The way that, that these different leaders, religious and political, made that bargain was somewhat Faustian, right? They were like, mm-hmm. okay, you can keep this little tradition, this little innocuous tradition you have of putting a tree inside your house and covering it in candles, and mm-hmm. then we'll just say that it's a tree celebrating Christ's birth, and the lights right. on the uh, the candles on the tree are like the, the, the stars in the sky over Bethlehem, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why we put a... a a um, star, star on top, on the top of the tree, right? Uh, so there's there's elements of that 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 pervade, and some of them are religious iconography, and some of them have become purely cultural iconography. So if you'll allow me, in the Nordic countries, they believed that Thor would ride um, across the sky. Well, when he fought the uh, the Jotun, the giants, he they believed that he had a sleigh that was pulled by. A goat or or a rain reindeer that was pulled across the sky, and he he rode it to go fight the giants, and they celebrated him around the solstice, and so they have now what they call the Yule goat, and it's it they they'll make a Yule goat out of like straw and and paper mache and other things that your mom makes you. Do I in want art to class. see this Marvel movie so bad. <laughs> I want to see a goat pulling Thor in a bright red sleigh, <laughs> and he just goes and whoops some Jotun. I want to see that so bad. Yeah, that would be better than any of the other movies they made, I think, to be honest. And Hunter, I know I'm stepping on your, your toes here as the our leading knowledger of Norse mythology here. Uh, so tell me where I'm wrong. But the uh, they they still make they still make what they call the Yule goat to this day, right? And you've hold uh, it. Oh, go ahead. I don't know much. I don't know much about this actually. No. So you, you're you're you've moved out of my realm of expertise. If you want to talk about like how they made Odin's spear and Thor's hammer and why the handle short, I'm your guy. But why is the know, handle short? Enlighten us, Hunter. Why is the handle short? The handle is short because while the Smiths were making it, Loki was a fly and bit one of the Smiths, and he couldn't pump the handle fast enough, and it caused the handle to be short. That's the two dwarven Smiths, right? Um, yeah, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. But a lot of yeah, a lot the, of consonants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're like, should we put in a vowel? And they're like, how about three Ys in a row? <laughs> You're like, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyhow. Yeah, that's cool. So so they, they do that. And, of course, now you can see where that became Santa's sleigh, right? Santa's, Santa's riding across the sky. And that has an even earlier tradition. You know, the Norse people, and it's not clear historically to me necessarily whether the Germanic people went north and settled in Scandinavia or the Scandinavian came down and, and settled in, in Germany. Now, I'll say if, if history is any guide, Scandinavians got out a lot more than other people got in. Not a whole lot of people were like, this place is frozen. I love it. Uh, the, the the Scandinavians were pretty much like, well, we invented the boat 700 years before anyone else, so uh, let's run them up the coast. So who knows what it was. But anyhow, they, you know that Odin, the Allfather in Norse mythology, and Odin... Uh, O-D-E-N, is a ancient Germanic god in mainland Germany, and he, they believed that he would fly over and surveil the Germanic peoples at night and determining which ones he would bless and which ones he would curse. And that's kind of the naughty and nice list. There's some origins there. And then, of course, St. Yeah. Nicholas was from Turkey, um, or yep. what, what is known as modern-day Turkey, and like the, call it the 4th century, give or take, if my memory serves. And he... Um, 
was would go around this is where the stocking comes from like that he would go around and he would he would throw uh, pouches of gold coins into the windows of the the impoverished areas around his titia as Lycia, I believe, and they would they would magically fall into the stockings that were drying by the fire, and that's where the stocking comes from, and where Saint Wait. Nick comes from, and where presents come from. And go ahead. Would he break the windows? I was about to say, this is like the most kind <laughs> form of burglary. Like, oh uh-huh. no, they broke her. Oh, coins. <laughs> oh, they paid for it. Uh- <laughs> That's a great concept. Is it vandalism? Committing crimes with the proper amount of money to, to re- <laughs> repair the stolen or damaged Isn't that goods? like half of Mr. Beast videos? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! That's so good. We are we are shooting way above our pay grade um, in this episode. For one, we're talking about Christmas, so we're targeting the Jews. That's probably a huge mistake. Two, now we're going after Mr. Beast. He's <laughs> it seems like he's got a lot of money. Anyhow, um, this, and I sang like a hundred bars from, from Christmas <laughs> shoes. So I, we're dead. This is the most litigious episode of Carpooling. Hopefully, everyone's Christmas charity is on high alert. Anyhow, I bring all of that up because you can see as these traditions spread in and across Europe, when we got to America, we have combined them into this wonderful, very American amalgamation, melting pot of a holiday that we all love so much, right? So you take the sleigh and the goat from Scandinavia, you take St. Nicholas from Turkey, you take um, some festivals from, from Rome, and the Roman Empire, and you combine them all, and now we've got a fat dude that drinks Coca-Cola and gives you an Xbox. It's, I love this country. <laughs> uh, I love this country so much. Anyhow. Where did the red nose come from, though? Is that, you know, that's that's an interesting one. I, uh, I'm I, I think that was some type of STI outbreak. Okay. <laughs> that makes no sense, so I love it. Rudolph the okay. promiscuous reindeer. Oh and I know that that one... Is in the public domain, so <laughs> so we're good. We're um, okay. Anyhow, so it's cool, and as as the idea that we would co-op this holiday and use it to celebrate Christ's birth, like I was saying, we we kept all these little parts of existing traditions, existing uh, festivities, and we we allow those to incorporate themselves into Christmas. You've, you might have heard of Christmas tide, which was directly related to Yule tide, which Yule tide is the month of Yule effectively in Norse mythology and now we, you know, make our Yule tides gay over here, so that obviously came from Scandinavia and Germany and we've got we've got gift giving which which comes from from both Rome and we've got uh, and, and from Turkey, there is all this this beautiful amalgamation creation. Hodgepodge. We imported it, but we imported it with the with the knowledge that this was to celebrate the birth of Christ. That was the caveat. That was the the uh, the bargain that was made. Yeah, and it's interesting yeah. too because actually, when Christmas first came here, when the Puritans first came here, um, you know, the Protestants. And the Puritans both kind of separated themselves off from the Anglican Church and migrated to America. And when they first came here, they actually didn't celebrate Christmas. Ben, actually, this is interesting. In Boston, do you know that they, they were they outlawed Christmas? What? Yeah, there was a fine in Boston, five shillings for anyone who was seen to be expressing quote the Christmas spirit. 
This is an old law on the books. You know Boston. they have the exact same fine now if you say the words "Merry Christmas." No, they, I mean I know they don't like it. Surely they don't do anything to you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That that was a joke. I truly believe that everywhere that's not like here where I am or in Papa DeSantis's land <laughs> is is just a a barren hellscape. <laughs> Derek, you're looking awfully jolly this 25th. <laughs> One Do guy you wears a red sweater. Sta- <laughs> you need to come down to the station and cool off a bit. <laughs> oh man! And of course, anyway. uh, the one more that I'll talk about is eggnog. Is it, it's a tradition directly from Sheol. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, I thought it was a fertility ritual, you know, with the whole bunnies and eggs from Easter. But we drink but it in winter. I have no idea what I'm doing here. Uh, that is apparent, <laughs> sir. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, it's it's absolutely disgusting, and uh, we drink it only because we're alcoholics and not because we have taste. Um, I, I I have drank one glass of eggnog in my existence, and it will be my last glass of eggnog. What a terrible! It's basically mayonnaise. That someone's like, well, oh. maybe it'd be good if you put booze in it. It's like, <laughs> why are we still listening to this guy? He was obviously, like, he's snorting hand sanitizer wherever he is right now. Someone is drinking pure fat, and they're like, man, this pure fat isn't unhealthy enough. How could I make this worse? <laughs> oh, I know. Actually, you know this. Eggnog. Go ahead, Hunter. Eggnog was something they did in uh, Boston because they weren't allowed to be happy. And so they would have eggnog to celebrate. <laughs> and when the cops came, they'd be like, you're drinking that, and they would leave. <laughs> they're like, obviously, they're not celebrating. They're engaged in some type of self-flagellation. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, you know when you're drinking uh, just raw egg and milk fat, yeah, and you're like, but this isn't as flammable as I would like. So you add alcohol. <laughs> just That's great. It's just ridiculous. I, uh, you That's know, what? I'm off Christmas. <laughs> no longer like that. <laughs> You can listen to Sea Shanties with me. We'll have a great time. All right. <laughs> we'll go to, to Pirate's Mass. Um, yeah. So that's that's how the uh, the holiday came here. It was, you know, the Puritans were like, no, absolutely not. Uh, there's a letter from, like, Captain Smith in Jamestown or something he where he wrote, like, Christmas was celebrated without incident. <laughs> like the, oh, my. Worried. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. They were that, worried yeah. that people were going to, like, you know, freak out and, and, and cause a ruckus. And yeah. it's interesting. And you know what? Maybe now is a good time to, to discuss that. Why did they think that people were going to cause a fracas and get rambunctious? Well, it is because the dis- the traditions that we've hinted at so far of solstice celebrations were pretty wet and wild, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. Um, yeah. It was a rambunctious time. For, for certain. And, of course, there's different celebrations across the globe. But if you Google it right now, Chank Weeger, uh, if Oh, Hunter, can we talk about Chank Weeger for a second? Did I say this on last podcast? Uh, I think you did, because I know you mentioned it, but I can't remember Or did I mention said, it to you in person? Say whatever you're going to say, and I'll know. Ben, have you listened to our last episode? Sure have. Did I mention the name of Chank Weeger's son? You know, man, we... Actually, no, yes, I don't you think did. you did. Wow, yeah, really? that's good timing. Hunter, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it just to you at dinner. Well, I don't actually... Just bring it up and I'll remember. Okay. If if I've heard it. Chank Uyghur's son is named 
Prometheus Maximus Uyghur. Hey guys, he I want you to know to I would remember that. <laughs> okay. No. He did say this to me at dinner. And it's so stupid too because he he did it because he thinks he's owning God because of course Prometheus is the god that that gave fire to to the humans in defiance of the other gods. So he sees Prometheus as this anti-god figure. Completely Which missing is, the point that Prometheus is still a god, you moron. Yes, and yes, then Maximus, yes. I guess, because he he thinks that means a lot, like not just a little <laughs> Prometheus, but as much Prometheus as you can have. And Prometheus then he named is, him Uyghur because he he wants him to get beat up at school and or interred in a in a camp in the northern reach of China. Either one, I'm not sure. Prometheus is actually like the benevolent side of the gods. Yeah, right? like that's what he represents. So like you're actually naming your if you're going to take the symbol seriously, you've completely screwed it up. So, yeah. anyway. So not only is he fat, okay, which is bad <laughs> enough as far as I'm concerned, not only does he deny the Armenian genocide, but he's also a mythologically and culturally illiterate jackass. Oh. Hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, That's not that bad. Sorry. We can still be friends. And for you Calvinists out there, that is different than the Armenian genocide. Just oh, a little joke Lord. for you Bible nerds. Anyway, please continue, oh, Chris. <laughs> ben, if I got that, I'd be kicking you off the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, let's talk. So, if you, if you were to Google it, you would see effectively two celebrations. And those are the celebrations of Saturnalia and the, Sat- the celebrations of Yule. Yule and Saturnalia. Now, we're going to get into some of those traditions, and then I think we cut to the Bible, and, and we'll compare and contrast at the end. But Saturnalia and Yule were both incredibly interesting celebrations in their respective areas. Let's start with Saturnalia. Hunter, you probably know a fair bit about Saturnalia just from your from your osmosis, I would guess. Uh, it's a pagan holiday that looks like Christmas and happened on the equinox. I mean, the, the solstice. All right, Hunter's been listening to the entire show so far, King, so he's here. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's about all I know about Saturnalia it's for a, the most part. It's a Roman holiday. Well, I knew that. Oh, well, you should have said it. Um, I guess so. <laughs> so. <laughs> I thought that was obvious. I mean, come on. But, you know. And it's about the... Um, the it's, It celebrates the Roman god. Can you guess? Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a hint. They're named after planets. It's not Nalia? <laughs> <sighs> Good God. Wow. Nadia. It's Nadia. I get it. Uh, Saturn, right? Oh, crud. There you go. And it uh-huh. was, it was a crap show. It it was absolutely no 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 unhinged. no. That, that you you're you, that's your Nalia. You're a little off there. <laughs> that's actually the crap show. You're in it. Okay, Thank honey. you. Thank you. How old is this podcast? <laughs> I just I'm just beside myself. Uh, we have the most listeners of all time. Uh, we we are double our our daily listener count and then some we are at all-time monthly highs and we are making uranus jokes uranus urananalia jokes <laughs> about a solstice celebration of your butthole that's what we're doing on this podcast now rate and subscribe I can't wait to see the new comments. This this Uranus joke was brought to you by FNXFit.com. FNXFit, have the healthiest anus, a sleek coat, 
and a moist nose. <laughs> well, I don't know. Just go to carpooling.com slash FNX and type in code carpooling to get 15% off your order. They've got a bunch of herbs and spices, and I'm sure they work decently if you use them as suppositorically. Uh, I, I don't know. How do we how do we have a sponsor? This is ridiculous. This is FNX, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed you of yourself, ashamed FNX. Of yourself for sponsoring do you know show? what we did? Do you even know? Oh man. Good lord. Have some decency, <laughs> FNX fit. Okay. So <sighs> any, serious. Anyhow, um I have absolutely no idea. Okay, Saturnalia, right? Celebrating yep. the god oh, Saturn. Wow. <clears throat> and, Full circle. And it was a crazy time. It was a time of drunkenness, debauchery, sex, drugs, uh, rock and roll on a lute, however you accomplish that. Naked singing, giant feasts. There was one really cool thing about Saturnalia that, that I found particularly interesting. There was this concept for the entire month, effectively. And, of course, there was some Julian calendar, Gregorian calendar stuff, so I'm not going to say oh, December. Yeah. But mm-hmm. for the entire month, slaves in the Roman Empire were not slaves. They yeah. were had equal rights to their masters. And actually, there were many celebrations where the masters would serve the slaves. Very yep. interesting stuff. So, And it's interesting, too, that it was associated with the equinox. And the, their, their logic for it was it was this time of reversal, right? The days were getting shorter, 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 and now the days are going to start getting longer, longer, longer. And so there's this role reversal in the heavens. And, and with Saturn, one of the gods of the heavens, and then there's this additional role reversal in their society for the month while they commemorate that with these great feasts and stuff. Very interesting thing about Saturnalia. Um, that that tradition spread across the Roman Empire, and there were still uh, hints and whisperings of it as far away as Britain at the mm-hmm. time. You may or may not know that the, the Romans, basically the Roman Empire extended all the way to the British Isles back, mm-hmm. way back when. And even, even after there was no longer Roman rule, some of the solstice, pagan solstice festivals that took place in Britain and France included this concept of, of the liberation of slaves. And, and interestingly enough, too, this is actually where the felt hat, like for elves and stuff, comes from. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. So, and you can go back and look at pictures of Saturnalia and you'll see people wearing these pointy hats. It's kind of funny if you look up like, like contemporary images of it. But the felt hat was given to slaves that were about to receive their freedom. So in Saturnalia, even if you weren't about to receive your freedom, all the slaves would wear these felt hats and, you know, be jolly and go around making mischief and, and mirth. And so that's kind of like where the like the sprightly, mischievous elf comes from are these sleeves that, that have the keys to the castle now. Kind of interesting. Uh, anybody else have any questions or, or any input on Saturnalia? Um. Turns, I was just looking over here. Saturn was uh, Jupiter and Juno's father, so that's interesting. Um, so he's almost like the—he's the father of the uh, Almighty in their religion, essentially. Yeah, Hunter, we're going to talk more about that. I've got a really cool thing to to bring up right there. So put a pin okay. in it. I'm trying pin. to skip ahead of me, dork. Um, that's me. And then let's talk about Yule. <clears throat> so Yule is the Nordic celebration. And of course, that extended down into Germany or vice versa, hard to say. Anyway, they celebrate it in Scandinavia, across Scandinavia, as, as well as parts of northern Germany. And it was another another uh, solstice celebration. It coincided with a, a fairly well-known 
Norse myth, which is the Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt was a yearly event where Odin would ride across the sky with his dogs and his pack of of souls and they would go hunting mythical beasts it changes depending on where what region specifically you're talking about how they celebrated the wild hunt and and what the myths around it are specifically but right he would he would gather up the dead souls to join his hunt and they would go hunt mythical beasts and when they successfully hunted the beast it would allow for the basically the defeat of the night right um, mm-hmm. Also, this is mm-hmm. this, there's a lot of this mythology in the real sponsor of the show, Bloodborne, the best video game of all time. Uh, so if you've played if you've played Bloodborne and you know a little bit about the Wild Hunt and you know about the Long Night, right, and and the next morning and all the things they talk about in this game, a lot of it is coming from the Wild Hunt. A lot of it is coming from Yule, which is pretty cool. And they would they would have a bunch of different ways that they would celebrate that act one of the ways that's really interesting is they would sacrifice animals in fact a lot of people liken yule to nordic passover which is an interesting concept they would anoint their altars and their doorposts with it they would actually anoint the priest completely in the blood of sacrifices and cover him in the blood kind of a probably something you've heard if you grew up go to a baptist church in the south hey buddy come on back but they would also maintain this tradition of freeing the slaves so it's kind of cool. And actually, even when slaves came to America, um, it, when when certain Germanic tribes came to America and, and started owning slaves, they would maintain this tradition. It was very interesting. It, it, it survived all the way from ancient Scandinavia to America. The, and you've heard of it, the Yule Log, right? So the slaves were free as long as the celebration of Yule was in session. And so they would charge the slaves with going to into the forest to find the Yule Log. And it was just the biggest trunk that they could find. And they would light it on fire and it would stay lit, sometimes for multiple weeks. And they said that each spark from the Yule Log was going to be a new uh, crop or animal that would be that would be born in the coming year. It was like a good luck thing. And as long as the Yule log burned, the slaves were free to celebrate with their masters. And they, they had a, a holiday from their their toils. So it's interesting that that same idea pertains to Yule. There's a couple other things like the Yule, the Yule swine or the Yule hog, which is, um, uh, we won't get into it, but it's associated with the goddess Freya, um, they they would eat ham uh, effectively to to celebrate her and and it's interesting. Her so, favorite, so, huh? That's where we get honey baked hams from. Yeah, it kind of is though. Like it kind of is why ham is associated right. with the holidays. So uh, yeah. you have all these deep traditions, and then the the church, the the Catholic Church starts invading and taking snippets of these and associating it with the birth of Christ, and it leads you to an interesting question. It leads you to the question, why, out of all the the dates that the Roman church could have chose to implant the birth of Christ into, given that they didn't know the actual date, why did they choose to, to circumvent this specific set of holidays? And that kind of leads you to another question, too. Why were there all these similar holidays being practiced around the same time that allowed the church to kind of 
incorporate from a bunch of different traditions, a bunch of different holidays, and why was it such a good fit is the question. Really, really good question, and I think the answer to it depends a lot on your framing, but maybe we put a pin in that for a minute. Maybe to answer that question, we need to know more about Christ's birth. Maybe to answer that question, we need to go to the scriptures. So, why don't we talk? Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about what the scriptures say about Christ's birth and what we can learn from that? And then maybe maybe we'll go back and answer the question. So, I'm so tired of talking about pagan stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Someone take it. No, away. that was a great recap, man. Um, yeah, I'm very down to jump into the scripture, as you probably know. Um, so we have the record of Christ's birth, kind of a, a story of it occurring in, in two out of four of the Gospels. In, in Matthew, and the most famous one and the most um, expansive record is in Luke, which kind of keeps in with Luke. If you know anything about the biblical narrative, Luke was a little bit more analytical. And it's very like him to kind of give you a detailed account of, of how Jesus was born. Um, Isn't he also writing to like foreigners, essentially, who may not be as engrossed in that and may want to know the details? Man, it's, as well? it's been a while since I've looked into the context, but I believe you're right. As far as yeah, I'm concerned, they're all foreigners, uh, right? I mean, no, it's quite ethnocentrist <laughs> of you. It's not like Jesus he was obviously made like writing five thousand hot dogs out of a loaf of bread and a, a Coors Light. Was he not writing yeah. to the Southern Baptist Convention? Oh my lord. He would, Am I wrong? Like, he would be Baptist if you he are. had been around at the time. <laughs> that 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 is as bad as saying he's a Republican. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think uh, I think examining the scripture on this topic is going to be absolutely critical. Um, I like the questions you brought up there, Chris, um, and it kind of leads us to okay. We see all of these reoccurring themes, right? I think that's why why you just went through all of that history is to kind of pull out all of these different themes. And now we can kind of look at the Bible and go, okay, is, is there a culmination? C.S. Lewis has this really good um, bit in mere Christianity where he talks about what he, what he dubs corn Kings. And he talks about the argument that Christ is really just another one of the gods who die and rise again. And he goes through a few of the ancient deities and he goes, well, this God, when you say corn King, you're almost like talking about God's associated with the harvest. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. So just like the crop cycle, um, goes down and then, and then revives. There were ancient myths that had a very similar idea. Um, and, and C.S. Lewis's argument is not that, Jesus isn't an original because there were other deities that did a similar thing to what Jesus did. His argument is that Jesus is the fruition and the culmination because not only did Jesus die and rise again, he was simultaneously man and God while doing it. He also took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. He also lived a perfect life. He also was born of a virgin. All of these different things culminated in one person and the perfect person at that. So I think when we look at these myths, it's going to be like, of course, there were hints of this moment. If this is what all of human history had been pointing to, if this is what we were leading up to, of course, certain cultures were going to get hints of that and whiffs of that. Sure. Sure. Uh, so let's talk, let's talk about the story then. And, and this is interesting, too, from a scriptural perspective, because there are, there are, well, let me just lay it out this way. The Old Testament, in my opinion, points directly to Jesus from start to finish. I mean, as early as as <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3, you yeah. have the promise, I'm going to make a way for you, 
right? And you have the first sacrifice of the ram, and you it's used to cover up their sin. And he says, this is good for now, but I am going to make this permanent, effectively. Mm-hmm. And then in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you get all of the law, the Levitical law, and there, I was just saying this to someone the other day, you, you kill a sheep about every 30 seconds, right? <laughs> and <laughs> yep. It's a picture of Christ. And then eventually you have, you have Christ on the cross and the, the sacrifice is made complete. And then you go all the way to Revelation and they say, you know, John writing on the island of Patmos says, I saw the son of, of God as a lamb that was slain, talking about the throne room of heaven, sit, seated at the father's right hand, yep. right? And so you have this... Uh, this uh, picture from start to end that um from the beginning of time itself to the end of time as we know it everything points to the central moment of christ's birth and yet the interesting thing is that the jews who follow the old testament religiously don't get the birth of christ the birth of christ is not what was expected by the culture at the time and you've got this this duality between the expectation and the delivery and that's really what i want to focus in on because i think it i think it connects us back to these these other these other um traditions right and 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 so so let's start with that one the the jews were expecting the coming of a king yeah And, and with good reason too i mean there's plenty of plenty of explanations in the prophets and the Psalms of, of the coming liberator and yeah. a redeemer. And he's coming on a horse with a sword and all of that good stuff. Revelation that 19, really baby. Right. And yet you get the, you get the nativity story and it's yeah. like, well, actually he was born in a bull. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, that's interesting. So let's, let's We're, talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, that particularly is fascinating because even personally reading through uh, the Old Testament, I, I find myself with a lot of sympathy towards the people expecting that that political figure, that ruling figure um, that, that you were just talking about. However, one of the most common refrains that Jesus says when he's talking to the educated people of the day is, have you not read? It's, it's harsh. It's a critique because they... Because the religious rulers at the time had memorized large portions of scripture. And him saying, have you not read, was an extremely cutting remark. And it pointed to the fact that had you read rightly, had you understood the scripture, you would understand who I am. So you're saying that when I say these people are illiterate jackanapes, that actually I'm being fairly Christ-like. That's what I'm taking away from this. Okay, Chris, yeah. Um, we're going to get into interpretation later. But yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. No, but... Um, for example, I, I got Isaiah 53 pulled up, um, and I want to read you just a little portion of it to kind of hint at what you were just talking about in terms of how they should have expected um, Jesus. And then I'd love to read you just a little bit of the Luke 2 portion and show you how many prophecies were getting fulfilled in just a couple beginning verses in Luke. Throw down. Okay, Isaiah 53, starting in verse 4, I'm reading out of the ESV version. Surely he has borne our griefs and yet carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted because he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. 
and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Notice that tie-in, the lamb that is led to the slaughter, the same symbology that's used in Revelation. Mm -hmm. Notice he was pierced for our transgressions when he was on the cross, the death blow or at least the confirmation, was a, a spear being thrust into his side. Right. And not just Revelation, by the way, too. I mean, even yeah. before Christ started his ministry, or or you could say when Christ started his ministry, John, John the, Baptist. the Baptist sees him, and he Bingo. doesn't say, hey, there's the Messiah. He says, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, yep. right? So that that iconography pertains throughout. Yeah. And Hunter, actually, I think that's... Well, okay, wait. Are you, are you reading Luke 2, or you just... Oh, yeah, I can. If, yeah. if you wanted Hunter to riff for a second... Go for Luke 2? No, I want to change the subject with something Hunter was talking to me about earlier, so go ahead. Okay, so here's a little bit of Luke 2. So we, we talked earlier about how in the um, when Jesus was born, there was a census that was being taken of the area, and that census caused Jesus' parents to have to travel from their hometown, which was Nazareth, to Bethlehem, and that was to fulfill a prophecy from Micah. I believe it's chapter 5 off the top of my head, and that prophecy said the Messiah, which means the Savior, which is the same word for Christ, would be born in Bethlehem. So starting in verse 2 of Luke 2, this was the first registration uh, which is the census, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David. That's also significant, because that lets us know that Jesus is coming from the line of David, which was the Davidic covenant. Yep. That is what God told David. God told him that from your line, the Messiah will come. And then it continues to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And we can trace that back a little bit further um, and learn that Mary was a virgin. That's to fulfill a prophecy from Isaiah that the Messiah would come from a virgin. And while we were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for the inn. To fulfill another prophecy that said, and when the Messiah comes, his people will not know him nor recognize him. And they won't appreciate him. So I've I've realized we've been reading a lot of scripture there. um, And it's all just to point out that they should have expected this. And Jesus straight up said, if you had read the scriptures properly, and if you had been searching it out as you should have, you would have seen me coming. Yeah. And okay, so there's like a million, a million interesting things to go there. Yep. Hunter, you were talking to me earlier about the shepherds, right? Because when a, when a king comes, he's announced to other kings and other dignitaries. But when something that's born in a food trough arrives, <laughs> you have to tell the shepherds so that they don't let the sheep eat him. That's extra biblical. I don't know if the sheep were actually going to eat Jesus. <laughs> Look, it would have been a different Yet. story. Okay, yeah. that's all I'm saying. But, and, and you mentioned the line of David. So cool. So Ezekiel 34:23 I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them my servant David he shall feed them and be their shepherd. So read two th- verses ahead too. No, you tell me because I can't search right now. <laughs> and I will give you you're in 34, right? Yeah. Yeah, 30 30 I believe it's 34:26 and I will give you a new heart. I will replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit upon you. Stone Okay, hold on to that. Very interesting. It's the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. But Hunter, you were talking to me earlier about the shepherds. And what's cool is that Ezekiel prophesies this about David, that he's going to give 
the people of Israel to David to be their shepherd. And then you read like every single verse in Psalms, I think. Uh, 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Psalms 95, 7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand, right? Uh, it's not the whole mm-hmm. verse, but anyway, then you have David writing these Psalms and he's saying, uh, yes, I might be the shepherd of Israel, but the Lord is my shepherd and he's coming. So mm-hmm. there's there's this idea that there were they, the Jews are looking for a king, right? But there's this idea that what's coming is a shepherd. And just like David was a picture of Christ who is... A, was plucked as a lowly shepherd and and conscripted to fight Goliath for Saul, you have another shepherd, not a king that's coming, but a shepherd who will one day become king coming. Whew, it's good stuff. So Hunter, that's amazing. Talk to me, talk to me about the shepherds um, and why they're relevant in this story. There's one mistake we make, and it's an American lens when we start talking about the shepherds in this story, and it's the fact that we see them as like a as like an underdog, right? And like they're lower class. That's true, but it's not the most interesting thing about them, right? It's not the part that is actually like relevant to it. Um, And you kind of just go like, oh, shepherds are sneaky and dirty. That must be why Jesus came to them. Well, it's like, well, why didn't he come to the whores in Bethlehem then? Hmm. Right? It doesn't make sense. It, it, It falls in its place. Why didn't he come to the gangs and the people that were the murderers that were there? Because... Aren't they the lowest of the low? And it's like, okay, so that's not what's interesting about them. That's not what's interesting about a shepherd as what David and everybody else references to it. And it's like, well, the Messiah was supposed to be a king, right? And so a king is somebody who sits on high, who takes the country to war, who taxes and does all this stuff. Within that role, you're supposed to be two things. Someone who speaks the truth and someone who pays attention, right? And it's very very easy as a king to do neither of those Mm. it's very easy to be dead it's impossible to not do both of those and be a shepherd it's literally impossible you cannot not speak the truth as a shepherd you have this many sheep if you don't have this many sheep you can't sell that many sheep right it's impossible you have to have what you have there if you don't pay attention the lion comes and eats everything that's there and so The reason there's the focus on the uh, profession, and you can do some of this with the wise men too, although it's a little bit harder because the wise men are engaged in a dream, right? They're not engaged in something that we could really relate to today, um, is because Jesus is almost saying the spirit that will bring about the brightest day during the darkest night is this, right? It is me, and I will bring it to you. I will be the thing that brings the redemption. And so it's like, well... The only people that could, that were, the people that were dramatically acting that out, right, and impossible to do otherwise were the shepherds, right? So it's bizarre, and it's amazing, and it also shows the character of God, right? Yeah, well, I think, so. I think there's a very direct connection between the shepherds and the, and the wise men, and these are the only people that showed up for the birth of Christ, right? Exactly, the, yeah. These are people why, that why those two? were paying attention, right? These yes, are people exactly. who were w- watching carefully, and had right. their had their aim set on things above the sheep or, or the shepherds are out in the fields and like you were just mentioning hunter when you're a shepherd you're paying attention if you don't pay attention yeah. you don't sell very many sheep uh yep. and, and it's also not irrelevant that the sheep are what is sacrificed to cover up the sins how long could you talk about that like forever probably but right it's not irrelevant that think about the wise men though they they came to herod and what did they say to Herod in passing? I think this is in Luke's account, but I could be wrong. Uh, maybe it's Matthew. 
now that I'm thinking about it. I think it's Matthew now that I'm, now that I'm considering it. They show up and they, they go to Herod because these are men of influence. And they say, hey, where's that baby king? And he goes, what baby king? And they said, yeah, we saw his star. And we had read the truth about him in the past. And so we know that he's going to be in Bethlehem. So li- li- think about this. They literally had their f- their attention. They had yeah. their aim set on the heavens, on things yep. above, and on the truth of Christ from the past. And that's why they were able to discern that this is the one that was prophesied, as Ben was talking about earlier, right? You had right. your aim upward. And the, and the angels appeared to the shepherds in the heavens. They're looking up. And they yep. notice that the the birth of of the Messiah is upon them. Mm. So, the, and I, I I love that, and I also want to just touch a little bit on the truth speaking and why that matters. Because people thought they were getting a king, right? And a king, it's the easiest person in the world to lie. And, and think about the Pharisees too, and and the Sadducees. They were saying, "Oh, this is the will of God." Right? It's like, you don't know that, obviously. Here it is standing right in front of you, yeah. and you can't even recognize These it. These are they that testify and, of me. Right. And so like, there's a direct co- correlation to the amount of money the king could make and his lies, and shepherds could never obtain that. Hmm. And so it's like literally impossible for a shepherd to not have money unless he does two things. Speaks the truth of what he exactly has because he'll be found out immediately, or... Uh, or um, if he doesn't pay attention to the flock. And the same is true for the wise men. Like, you're doing a good job of explaining. Like, they had to pay attention to the signs. And if they were lying, right, they'd be caught out because to them, the patterns in the skies, the arrangement of the celestial's body, of the celestial bodies would prove something different than what they actually thought was true, right? And so that's, that's getting to the dream side of it a little bit. And we can talk more about that in a very, very other thing. But, but, I, but it, it, both of those come alive there. And it's like, what do you need in the darkest night? The Spirit of God. There you go. Sorry? The Spirit of God. Um, right, exactly. And, and, and let, me, let me say this too, Hunter. This just came to me. Uh, so I'm going to stumble through this, I think. But to do a little biblical history, Ben, keep me honest here. The people of Israel are out in the wilderness, right? They're, they've left Egypt. They're out in the wilderness. And then, of course, there's this this period before they're allowed to enter the promised land. And in that time, Moses acted as a judge, over the people of Israel. He's sitting there, he's hearing their troubles, he's hearing their stories, and he's, he's um, having, to, having to discern and decide the issues of the people. Mm-hmm. So much so was it his, who was father-in-law. it? Father-in-law. His father-in-law yeah. tells him, you've got to cut this out. This is, Jethro. This is Jethro, that's right. This is becoming too much. And he, he and this is, this is a precursor to the actual book of Judges, where you, you have this, this, system set up where these these judges go throughout the nation of israel and they're the quasi the quasi nation state like they're the quasi rule of the of god's people right god is the figurehead but then you hear there's grumblings 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 these people have asked for a king over and over the israel's the israelites asked for a king and god said no that's not my plan that's your plan not my plan i want a shepherd not a king Right, and so then he eventually gives in and says, "Okay, fine, I'll give you a king, I'll give you a king." And then it gets back to David. He goes, I, "I'm going to take your last king and give you back a shepherd. The shepherd will be king." Yes, now. exactly. You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, exactly. It's a beautiful yes. picture. Yeah. 
Um, anyhow, I, it just came to me while you were while you were saying that. And on that note, let me. I'm, I'm just going to take this to like a really practical area because I can see a lot of people. Um, hearing that message and and getting a little confused on whether they should be the the shepherds in the field or whether they should be the wise men searching out the right things because they come to the same conclusion and they come to it in completely different ways. The wise men come to the conclusion by rich study of the stars. They're basically doing something not unlike astronomy, but I'm sure it would be very different than what we would consider. And the prophecies too. And the prophecies, that's correct. Um, and the shepherds come to it because a whole host of angels literally show up to them and, and sing praises to God. And it's, it's a really beautiful scenario. And it makes me think, there's this passage in, in Matthew 16 where um, Jesus asks the disciples, and he goes, who do y'all say that I am? And Peter looks him in the eye and goes, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. And Jesus' response to him is, Peter... Flesh has not revealed this to you, but, but God mm-hmm. has. And it's just this beautiful idea that you cannot discover this. Like, for us three sitting in this room, if we say a single true thing tonight, it's not because we were smart enough to figure it out. It's because we've been giving grace to figure it out. So I kind of just wanted to enter. I know I'm taking us off the rails just a little bit, but I just wanted to interject maybe, maybe a note of hope for anyone listening to this who's like, man, I, I don't know how to do that. I can't submit to something like this. I can't even, I'm having trouble believing that any of this is even real. It's like, don't worry about it. So, Come before the one who can give you the grace to do it. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm going to agree with you and add maybe a little bit more of an interpretation too. That doesn't mean, just because Christ, just because God is the only one that can reveal truth to you, and I, I believe that's true, it doesn't mean that it's irrelevant to study it. Oh, so, absolutely. So let, me, let yeah. me say it to you this way. From careful study of the present and a, a respect for the past, the wise men got to the same destination as those who received direct revelation from celestial mm-hmm, beings. Mm-hmm. What I mean, mm-hmm. and it reminds me of the verse, I become all things to all people. Like there are more than one way to find the way there is only one way, but, but there's, there's people that, that approach their faith analytically and there's people that re- approach their faith historically yeah. and there's people that approach their faith emotionally. And the awesome part about it is that all of them are valid and relevant. All of them make sense yeah. because God is what the universe is built on. So you can't escape it. There's not an avenue that you can travel, that you can escape the power of God to reveal the truth to you, the truth that points in one direction to the Logos, to mm. Christ, he who was the Word and was with God before the foundation of the world. That's, that's one thing that I find super relevant. So, so it's, it's, it's like this anti, anti-Calvinist argument oh. almost, <laughs> where it's like, well, what will be will be, so why, why yeah. fret about it? It's like, no, it's, it, you, you can draw near to God so that he draws near to you, right? Mm-hmm. You can search for him and you can find him, mm-hmm. right? Anyway, I find, that, I find that really interesting. But I love, Ben, I- that you just brought up one of the best verses in the Bible. Um, it's at least as good as all the other ones. It's one of my <laughs> favorite things about it. And uh, you're, you're quoting from, well, I'll put it to you. That you're not quoting this verse. You're in reference with this verse, and I think this really brings us to the heart of the connection between these two concepts that we've been talking about. 
The shepherds. God reveals himself to them. Christ, not a king. He's a shepherd. David, the shepherd, right? He's, he's used the low to humble the mighty. What's that verse, Ben? Do you have that pulled up? I don't. Um, what verse am I thinking about, Hunter? Uh, f- oh, first no idea. something, maybe? Hold on. Okay, you guys look that up while I, uh, while I vamp. But the, the verse you mentioned was, who do people say that I am? Your prophet, your teacher. But who do you say that I am, Peter? You're Christ, son of the living God. And he says, flesh has not revealed this to you. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, Pierre, Peter, stone in Latin, right? A lot of the Catholics took that and said, well, well, obviously he's some type of pope. Obviously, Peter's the first pope, right? He's some type of ruler. We still want a king, right? We're still yeah. not looking for a shepherd. We're going to make man yes. the king, right? And it, they've right. misread it. What Christ is talking about there is the truth that was revealed yeah. to Peter, that, that what God revealed to him mm-hmm. was the cornerstone for the church that you are Christ's son of the living God. And that, by the way, is the gospel in a nutshell, because how are you the son of the living God if you're not born of God and man hmm. and, and are, are fully God, fully human? Like, there's so much theology wrapped up in that one sentiment. But Dude, keep riffing. I'm, just a real quick interjection. Yeah. In the Luke 2, the, 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 the story of the birth of Christ... Luke 2 verses 9 says the glory of the Lord, which I believe is the word Kyrios in Greek, shone around the shepherds. So clearly indicating God. Literally two verses later, it's, it calls Christ the Lord. So it's, right. it simultaneously uses the exact same, it's the same word in the Greek too, Kyrios, and it uses the word both for God and for Jesus, just to back up your point. That's awesome. So God, God was the one that revealed himself and God yep. was the one that was in the manger. Yep. That's so cool. Hunter, what were you going to say? The 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 thing that is important to pay attention to between the wise men, the shepherds, and Peter's comment is is the character that the people were imitating, right? And that that's the thing that connects everybody there is that they were people that were paying attention to what was happening around them, and they spoke the truth of what they saw, right? And that. It's that that is the spirit itself that Jesus is referring to through all that that rules, right? It's 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 not the shepherd, right? It, it it's it's exemplified in the shepherd. It's the actual dramatic act of what the shepherd does, right? And it's the same thing that can be hinted at right there when Peter speaks that in to in front of all the disciples. And it's the same thing the wise men were paying attention to. And what you see in all those different terms that we use to describe those people are the different uh human beings expressing different parts of the same spirit of god yeah absolutely and so it's why it's why david is a type of christ and why moses is a type of christ because they led the flock right yes and i hope i don't think sorry the thing to pay attention to there is that action right and that the action is actually more powerful than the scholarly work than the intuition and the revelatoriness Right. It, it, it is it is the dramatic of living that out that brings you into the story itself. Yeah. Right? And, and, I and hope, allows you to participate in it. I hope I don't sound overly contrarian, but I, I just want to come a, a little bit backwards um, back to the in Christ revealed himself part, because I, I, I want to be a little careful that we don't make it sound like the wise men were so wise and so intelligent that they were able to understand the truth of the cosmos on their own. 
And I want to Correct. back that up just a little bit because I think it's incredibly uh, important to realize that we don't have the ability in and of ourselves. And when we receive that from the Lord, when he gives us that grace, we're able to do exactly like now I'm going to agree with you. We're able to do exactly what you're saying and carry out that action. I, so one way to think through that, Ben, is the fact that the wise men are not being wise. The wise men are acting in a way that it conforms to the Spirit of God in the way that it expresses it in their own lives. Right. And that happens yep. to be wisdom. And, and Ben is so saying that the, the precursor to that is the Spirit of God itself being given to them. Merely those actions. Merely those to actions under, are it. Yeah, yes. Yes. That's but, what I'm saying. But he's mm-hmm. saying that, that, that those actions couldn't exist without that Spirit existing before them. Correct. Yeah. They're, they're, they are Absolutely. the same thing. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like there is no difference, right? It's like those actions and that spirit are they if they don't exist without each other, right? And so like you can't separate them almost. You cannot have the spirit of God without having those things be true. Obviously truth can't exist in that instance, right? And so it's like it, it, if you if you dramatize Yes. those in your life, yes. you agree that those are the most important thing in the world, i.e. God, uh, right? Yeah. And it's an argument so for it's what like, belief and what faith is. It's it's I've been yes, crucified exactly. with Christ, and it's no longer I who live. It's that's why the yeah. shepherds are there because they're dramatizing it. Yes. They're actually acting it out, and so it's like the the and the, like the wise men are coming in it from the intelligence angle, right, and the rational. And so it's like it's this beautiful picture of like all these different ways to God by doing the exact same thing fundamentally, which is trying your best to be an exemplar of God or like. Saying what God is is the most important thing, right? Um, It's this quote from C.S. Lewis. Now, the story of Christ is simply a true myth, a myth working on us the same way as the others, but with this tremendous difference that it really happened, right? And it's that that truthful statement at the end of it that, like, brings it all together, right? And there's more to that. It's a fantastic quote, but it really ties in what we're talking here today. Right, and and Um, when you speak the truth, you're making a great point, Hunter. When you speak the truth, you're not speaking about the the spirit of god you are speaking the spirit of god yes exactly, he, it, exactly how can right. you separate that which is true from that which the universe is made of right yes, they're, exactly. they're one and the same i, I love it's a great point it's a, it's a difficult right. point but it's a great it point is. and, and the, i think ben ben has the right heart too because the important part is to remember that christ came first right it, it, it correct <laughs> it's only possible because he came first but still the this idea that that there's a tangibility to the spirit of God is not irrelevant. And that when right. you, when it has you to be there. speak, when you, when you do what he does so well, when you speak the truth, you're not, you're not referencing him. You are, you are echoing that submitting. Spirit. Yeah. You're th- submitting th- to it. Yeah, exactly. Great, great point. Yeah. All right. Do you have my verse? First uh, Corinthians <laughs> one twenty seven. All right, read it. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. This is the point. This is the point. And I think, man, Hunter, you did a great job, actually. That's going to tie in better than maybe you know. Um, so, I chose what was weak to shame what was strong. I chose a shepherd and not a king. And at the birth of Christ... We announced it to not the dignitaries, mm-hmm. but to the field hand. The Catholic, the Jews missed it. The Catholics missed it. He said, "On this truth, on this spirit, Hunter, is what I'll build my church." And yet, we said, "But please give us a deity, give us a human that we can point to and say that there's this human is divine, right?" Yep. 
Satan. But <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's amazing. The weak, I chose what was weak to shame what was strong. Psalms 118.22. I will give you thanks for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Sometimes it's translated as the chief cornerstone. What are they talking about there? That verse is cross-referenced a billion gazillion times, mostly because Jesus said it himself several times. Matthew 21, 42 says, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone <laughs> the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This is from the Lord and is marvelous in our eyes. That same, that same uh, thing is repeated in Mark 12. It's in that same account is repeated in Luke 20, 17. Um, Acts 4, 11, Paul writing. This Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Uh, it's other places. It's Ephesians built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. That's where he's saying, you know, it's Christ is actually the cornerstone. This is the most amazing one of all time, right? Because he turns around to Peter and he says, Peter, whose name means stone in Latin roots, Pierre, father, stone. He turns around to Peter. He says, on this cornerstone, I'll build my church. First Peter 2, 7, to you who believe then, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Peter himself admitted that the stone was Christ. It was the truth. It was the spirit of God, that, that Christ himself was the son of God. That is the cornerstone that was, that the the entire movement, the entire church, the entire, well, let's put it this way. We're the bride of Christ. That's the church. The connection between us and God is built upon that cornerstone. Our relationship with God is built upon Christ himself and the spirit of Christ and the spirit of God. And it's the stone that was rejected. It's the stone that was rejected. And we used the weak to shame the strong. Christ didn't come as a king. Christ came born in a feeding trough surrounded by fecal matter and bang and and filth and he was the stone that was rejected and the jews said no i don't think so and the sanhedrin said no i don't think yep. so and Pilate said no i don't think so and we will write mockingly over the cross king behold the, the king of the jews yeah. this is the king no we use the weak to shame the strong and i think that's why this topic is so important to us. Yeah. The etymological roots of the word holiday are, are widely known. Holy day. That, that's what it used to mean. And that's why we celebrate Christmas is because it is the epitome of a holy day. And I think we were kind of getting to this earlier with, with all of your history in terms of, is this something we should be celebrating? Is this just a pagan holiday? Like, are we just blowing smoke up a bunch of old um, false religions? Um, and I think not if we celebrate it rightly because of what you just said comes to fruition on that day that enters the world. And by nature, it is a holy day. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and, and so the question I posed earlier, why did the, did the church choose this day to celebrate the birth of Christ and why did these days exist surrounding the solstice that enabled them to celebrate the birth of Christ there? Well, in Saturnalia, it was a day when the slaves became the masters. And in Yule, it was a day when the slaves became free. 
it was a day that the weak shamed the strong and the slaves became the masters. It's a day when that which was rejected became chief. And it gets cooler than that. It gets cooler than that. After solstice, the darkest night of the year, the renewal of light and the coming of the new year was celebrated in the later Roman Empire during Saturnalia as Dies Nautilus of Sol Invictus. Who's good at Latin? Try and look it up before I get to it. And in Yule, even to this day, modern, modern pagan religions and Levadian Satanists still celebrate this. It's so, it's so amazing. They celebrate the great hunt, like we were talking about, the wild hunt, from Norse mythology in Yule. And they see it as the, gray, the rebirth of the great horned hunter god, who still hits a Wiccan pagan thing. However... He's viewed as the newborn son. Viewed as the newborn son. And I'll tell you what Dies Nautilus Sol Invictus means. It means the birth of the unconquerable son. You ask yourself the question because you have to decide for yourself. Is it coincidence? Is it coincidence that when the son is born... The weak shame the strong. In pagan religions, hundreds or sometimes maybe thousands of years before the birth of Christ himself. Or is it because they had discovered something true about the state of the universe and the human condition itself? Did it pervade multiple cultures because there's something unique about the human condition that longs for this story? Or is the human condition built upon this story? Now, I'm not saying that these pagans were connected to God in any way. Like I said, Saturnalia, pretty gruesome time. Yule, pretty gruesome time. Lots of debauchery, lots of revelry, because Christ wasn't at the center of it. But these pagans still knew, they still knew that when the unconquerable son was born, the weak would shame the strong. And then Christ is born in a manger. The birth of the unconquerable son. And the coming king. I choose to believe that you can't escape the spirit of God. Like Hunter was talking about. I choose to believe that there is something intrinsic about the way that he has structured reality. That makes him a part of the human condition innately. I believe that when he breathed his spirit into us and we were made in his image. We were forever marked and forever impressed by that spirit. And we can choose to deny it and we can choose to run away from it and we can choose to turn it into something that it's not and turn to sin and debauchery and revelry and drunkenness, etc. Or, or we can admit that when the unconquerable son is born, the weak will shame the strong and we need to turn our eyes away from looking to ourselves and looking for a king and being the master of festivities and look to the fields, look to the shepherd and come into contact with the spirit of Christ that has influenced the human condition 
for centuries before his birth. It, it, you can't get away from God. I think Luke 20 does such a good job of saying exactly what you're saying right now. Because when we make these holidays all about ourselves and all about that uh, fallen condition that you were just talking about, and make the holy days something t- to glorify us rather than to celebrate that inconquerable son that you're talking about right now, we don't do the thing that the shepherds did. And there's this quick throwaway line that I almost missed when I was reading back through the story. And when the shepherds go away from that moment, when they, when they see Jesus and when they, they go home, verse 20 says, they went away glorifying and praising God. The, their response wasn't giddy. They weren't, it wasn't saying, oh, and they got really happy and they were fulfilled. No, the response to having an encounter with that spirit, with the, the Holy Spirit, the only Holy Spirit, is glorifying and praising God. And that's why we all love Christmas so much. And one must be content to accept it in the same way, remembering that it is God's myth where the others are men's myths, i.e., the pagan stories are God expressing himself through the minds of poets using such images as he found there while Christianity is God expressing himself through what we call real things. Lewis? Man, that's great. C.S. Lewis. Can't beat him, man. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Well, Ben, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Carpooling. What a pleasure. You know, man, when I land and then you call me and I'm 30 minutes away from your apartment, what better thing is there to do than to come record? What better thing to do? And uh, What better thing? It's obvious. Go work out, idiot. Yeah, FNXFit.com. <laughs> Carl Pulling slash FNX. Look, we already destroyed our sponsorship. Please just <laughs> buy as much as you can using our checkout code Carl Pulling before uh, we're inevitably yeah. dropped. The, is FNX a company run entirely by deaf people? <laughs> yeah, it has to be. Like, they just put the podcast in and go, well, yeah, that's great. That sounds great. Ship it. A couple people clicked through. So, uh, yeah, buy some of our stuff. <laughs> Um, rate us on iTunes and Apple Music um, and uh, and Spotify now. Spotify just introduced a rating Ooh. system, so please go rate us there. And Ben's doing it right now. That's excellent. Excellent work. And email us, carlpooling at gmail.com. <laughs> and find us at carlpooling.com. You can get links to all our socials there. I'm at ChrisXCarl. Hunter is at EmotionalCarl. Ben, anything to plug? Man, don't. Nothing. Nothing to don't plug. Don't find me. Stop. Don't, Stop coming for me, people. Don't follow me. Hey, uh, cool project. And we've hinted at this in the past. Uh, Hunter and Ben actually have their own podcast that they started. They've recorded season one. Uh, and over the Christmas break, I am going to get their website online. So I'm going to announce Leatherbound. Uh, it's, a, it's a podcast about great books. And it's coming to you soon in the Carl Pulling family of podcasts as we continue to grow this amazing journey together. Um, we've had, like we I mentioned earlier in the show, record listenership. Hunter is so close to getting a tattoo. In fact, yeah. If if we keep the current pace, we will no. we will be over five thousand monthlies at the end of December, no. which means that we can go and get tattoos in the new year. He's dreading it. No. He's dreading it so much that he's begun lying about it. But Hunter, no. you know, deep down is a truthful person. He will honor his commitments because he uh. is such a saint. And uh, even if that means he has to get a tattoo and, and desecrate his own temple. So 
please continue to share with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to all the new listeners. Reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. And most importantly, uh, stuff. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas from Carl Pulling to all of you. Merry Spend Christmas. time with Merry family. Christmas. Enjoy. And as the great Tony Fauci would say, get tested. is coming for you it'll be a winter of of severe illness and death